Welcome to Home Dance Film Festival, the podcast that brings a little bit of Sundance Film Festival to you. Arguably, maybe even the best parts of it. (laughs) We discussed two movies that played at Sundance, along with one non-Sundance film, plus a few other fun things thrown in along the way. Today we're discussing Judy Bloom Forever, American Movie, and Hell House. I'm Jessica. And I'm Dylan. Well, yes. We're giant turds. It's been... Christmas break is over. (laughs) It's been a year. (laughs) And we left off by saying, we'll see you sometime in January. Didn't happen. We didn't say which January. We're actually coming earlier (laughs) than we anticipated. We're just big old turds. That's fine. Hopefully some of you still check this feed. We had a heck of a Sundance this year. Maybe we'll even talk about them sometime. God willing. But before we give the people what they want, what they've been craving for months, what I've been hearing people all over just saying, like, when is the podcast coming back? And I was like, perfection takes time. (laughs) But now that we're here, you're in for a treat. But before we get into that, I want to be topical. I want to to throw out a recommendation. Okay. I'm not going to get too crazy, Mm -hmm. but I have not seen it yet. But there's been a lot of negative reactions for the new Exorcist movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of just hot takes being thrown around. People do not seem to like it. <laughs> My suggestion, having not seen this movie, if you want a nice, really good Exorcist continuation, hop on over to Hulu. Go watch the Exorcist TV show that Fox put out like several years ago. It's surprisingly excellent. There are two seasons. They're both on Hulu. They're very, very good. The first season has Gina Davis in it. So what more could you want? So if you're like an exorcist fiend who was disappointed by the movie, go see something that's actually good and go watch that show because I really love that show. It's surprisingly good for a network show. I don't know if I ever knew that they put that out, but maybe I just blocked it out because I don't want anything to do with that. Yes, I most definitely told you while I was watching it, but that was like 2014 or 15, I think. Mm, Okay. But yeah. It's not your bag. Mm-mm. Everyone who knows you knows this. It's not for me. No. But we have an exciting slate of films that are your bag because mm-hmm. we're, we're going against the grain. It's Halloween. We're not doing spooky season. We're doing Doctober over here. Doctober. So it's, it's going to be a fun time. Although one has to do with Halloween and then one has to do with horror films. So Yeah. So you horror fiends, you calm down. You have a little <laughs> bit of something to check out here. But in order to do that, we need to dust off our shoes. <laughs> Lace them up. I don't even know if I could find mine. Hold on, let me look. Let me look. Yeah, I think I see them. All right. Okay. Are 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 they hella dusty? Yeah, I gotta. <laughs> I gotta bang them out. And you just let that dust all over our floor. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll clean it up. Okay. I'll vacuum. Okay, fine. But okay, now that you've done that, are you ready to Sundance? I think I am. My daughter said, Mother, couldn't you write a book about teenagers who fall in love and do it, and nobody has to die? And I thought, yes. 
Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I felt like someone was being honest. That's a gift. That's magic. There was this moment where, wow, like Judy's talking to me. I read Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. I read Dini. I like the blubber. This is my favorite book. I grew up as a good girl with a bad girl lurking inside. So by the time I started to write, I really had a lot to get out. I could be fearless in my writing in a way that maybe I wasn't always in my life. Judy Bloom Forever premiered at the 2023 Sundance Film Festival. It's directed by Davino Pardo and Leah Walchuk. The radical honesty of the books by trailblazing author Judy Bloom changed the way millions of adolescent readers understood themselves, their sexuality, and what it meant to grow up, but also led to critical battles against book banning and censorship. In this documentary, both Judy Bloom herself and the generations of readers who had followed her work examine her impact on pop culture and the occasional controversies over her frankness about puberty and sex. So I saw that this movie was playing at the Sundance Film Festival. We did not get a chance to see it then, but we saw it a little bit later whenever it was on Prime. Yeah, just a peek behind the scenes of our uh, Sundance uh, tactics. Usually if we see a movie is going to be coming out within like a few months of the festival, we tend to prioritize stuff that we're not sure when it's going to come out. But we were super amped to see this one because I know you're a huge documentary fan and Mm -hmm. I knew this subject would interest you. Yeah, whenever I was a kid, I tried to read Super Fudge, I remember. I think I picked it up whenever I was a little bit too old for that book because it was okay, but it wasn't really grabbing me, and I didn't really go back to it, and I don't think that I ever read Are You There, God is Be Margaret, but I definitely saw all her books around. I think I discovered them a little bit too late. I was kind of out of the age group or whatever that That's they so were. heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. But, and then I didn't know that she did. Um, she wrote a few adult books and then teen books. I didn't really know. And then I was more interested in like, I don't know, like sort of fantasy stuff and then Gary Paulson, which is like, <laughs> like wilderness stuff, like Hatchet. <laughs> and yeah. he did that one sci-fi book. That's my favorite of his. And then like Lois Lowry, which is really dark stuff. <laughs> for kids, but I was into all of that. So her books didn't appeal to me as much. And then also like Calvin and Hobbes and stuff like funny things. But yeah, I was I was still very excited to watch the documentary because it seemed like it would be nice and it seemed fun to learn more about her as a person. And as we will get into later, I think she's a totally awesome person and the doc is lovely. What is your relationship to this documentary? I just gotta say, whenever there's a documentary about like a like a strong woman coming out like with RBG or Jewel or anything. So many of their stories aren't told widely. Like you know about them but you don't always know like the deep details that make them every mm-hmm. who they are. And like I know who Judy Bloom is and I was a person living on this earth so I know about <laughs> Are You There God It's Me Margaret and everything. I didn't know she had written quite as many books as she has but mm-hmm. I knew like the marquee titles I kind of had heard about before at least. Even if I never had any interest <laughs> I also, I was a reader kind of when I was younger, much more than I am now, but <laughs> yeah. But I kind of gravitated more towards comedy or fantasy, like you said, and like I, I liked Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and I weirdly liked celebrity biographies and stuff, like yeah, comedian yeah. biographies. I read like a lot about like George Carlin and stuff, yeah. and like Mick Foley, the wrestler. <laughs> um, yeah, I read a lot of comedy books, like comedians, whenever they wrote books, yes. <laughs> like Sinbad's book. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of great literary mind I am. 
<laughs> but I probably would have thought that these books weren't exactly for me, even though I do, I'm not opposed to mm-hmm. taking in content that's geared towards women, like Gilmore Girls and mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff that people are probably like, you watch that? And I'm like, yeah, of course, why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous, why wouldn't I? But I didn't know a lot about Judy Bloom as a person. I figured she's probably a cool lady, but I had no idea she was. <laughs> but with the synergy of uh, Are You There, Goddess Me, Margaret coming out this mm-hmm. year, which I was very excited about just because it seemed different. And it was another one from uh, Kelly Fremont Craig, who had done The Edge of 17, which was really great. So I was really excited to see another one from her. We ended up watching both of these movies on the same night. And oh, I forgot that we did that. Yeah, we did it like back to back. It was like right after Are You There, Gods and Margaret. You're like, what about Judy Bloom Forever? And I'm like, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like now that we know the story, we can like kind of see where it came from and stuff. So that, that was a great night. I really enjoyed it. Just spoiler alert on how I felt about the experience. Yeah. But uh, Are You There, God? It's, it's Me, Margaret is probably one of my top movies of this year still, like, mm-hmm. and it's October. I think a lot of people refer to the book and the movie, they shorten it to just Margaret, so we can just say Margaret. I will not. That's not what it's called. Because <laughs> it can be a mouthful. I was excited to check this one out just because I'm a huge documentary fan. We watch a ton of them, and I love it. It's yeah. Just... I'll watch anything, yeah. any kind of documentary, pretty yeah. much. We just watched a documentary recently about, like, Yogi Berra, and we don't have any ties to football <laughs> or baseball. baseball. Yeah, as you can see. <laughs> yeah, you know, old football player. Yogi Berra. That, I know that he plays baseball. It was a slip of the tongue. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a baseball fan at all, but the documentary is enjoyable. Yeah, so yeah, that's my relationship with Judy Bloom. I didn't really have one, but I feel like I do now because she seems really awesome, and I just really liked getting to know her journey and just kind of how this this structure of this documentary kind of unfolded book by book. You kind of learn more about Judy Bloom and mm-hmm. where she was in her life and how they parallel one another. I think it works really well in this documentary. I mean, I'm glad we had Judy Bloom around for a number of reasons, but. Yeah. Yeah. So she can kind of tell her own story. And so you do get a lot of like archival footage and stuff, but just kind of how she puts that into context. It doesn't feel like she's trying to like hide anything. Yeah, I did like how some of the people who were talking heads, they were authors and they were YA fiction historians and librarians. I like that they got a, a group of different people to talk about her books and her work and how it affected them. I like that piece of it. And I like that they were also not afraid to say how some of the books, some of the aspects were dated and they weren't just like fawning over it and just being like yeah it's totally fine it's perfect and it's just like uh no Michael in the book Forever was kind of an asshole he was really pushy and I think Judy herself is more open to being like oh yeah I mean this this isn't exactly how it is now or whatever and it's kind of dated but at the time it's what I knew and it's how I wrote and there's an author who said Judy wrote books to be timely not timeless yeah to be relevant at the time and to break grounds which i think is true and i like that he frames it that way yeah and it kind of just it paved the way for people who are reading the books to be like oh i really love this even though it's not 100 percent. i don't relate to it maybe in a certain way but it makes me feel a certain way that i can Mm -hmm. write these types of stories so it's kind of expanded the literary world like there's like a lot of several authors that are like 
trans or like other LGBT mm-hmm. writers, they discuss how reading her work has like allowed them to create their own work. And yeah, one of the creators of Pen Fifteen, I forgot her name, who was in the doc. She was saying she thinks that her books allowed her to like build on that. And Pen Fifteen is sort of like a continuation of that subject matter. Was that Anna Anna Conkle? Yeah. Okay. I like that we're kind of like in a documentary boom right now, even though sometimes they can get a little manufactured, I guess, because Netflix cranks them out as yeah. fast as they can. Yeah, all companies are trying to capitalize minimal monetary investment, like big rewards. Yeah, the indie ones are definitely more fun. I like that we at least have this boom because we're getting way more subjects than I would have ever thought possible, especially women, like a lot of female subjects where I'm really, really excited about it because I've seen so many documentaries within the past like five years about so many women and it's really cool. Women! <laughs> Sarah Sharon. Yeah. Women! Yeah. So it did give me the same sort of feeling, like how it looked. It was really bright and colorful and there was animation sequences and I liked how it looked and it gave me the same feeling as RBG did, like how they also had their little animation sequences and RBG was in it herself and she didn't talk as much, but they went on like on a timeline too through her life and they did that with Judy Bloom. But Judy's had more people in there talking, even like her own friends from her childhood who are still, they're still best friends, which was really fun. So I really liked how it was just bright and nice. I think it's paced really well. It's really well constructed by Mm -hmm. this director. It's not soulless and like you said, manufactured and everything. Mm -hmm. What did you think just about like the uh, modern footage and how she just kind of hangs around her little community and her bookshop and stuff? Oh, I loved it. I love that she has a bookstore and she works there and people know that she works there and they, I mean, it's her bookstore, I guess. Yeah. So people know that she'll be there on certain days. Like they call up and like, is Judy there? Yeah. (laughs) And the person's like, oh yeah, Judy's here. Uh, She'll, if you get here before two or whatever. And I like that. Probably tourists know to go there, but I like that she's made herself open to the public and fans and everything. And I like that she's still active and just on screen. She seems like such a bright presence. Mm -hmm. And I know it doesn't mean that everyone is like super happy if they seem happy or whatever, but she just, she seems really, I don't know, like happy and curious about the world. She's in her 80s, but she seems so youthful and she didn't really lose like the childlike wonder. She kept it her whole life, which was really cool, because that's super hard to do. (laughs) Yeah, I like how excited she is to still talk about these books, like, after all these years. Like, she'll have people that are clearly on the older side of the spectrum themselves. They're like, I read this as a kid and stuff, and, like, it meant so much to me. Mm -hmm. And, like, and she's like, I'm sure she's heard this a million times, but she's always just like, thank you and stuff, and she's so (laughs) grateful. Yeah. I like how this newer footage was integrated into the movie. There's a way that this could have been done that would have felt like self congratulatory and stuff but it kind of seemed more genuine to her and it kind of spoke to like underlying themes of the movie and r- mm-hmm. rather than just like look I'm a person of the people and so it seemed more genuine yeah it just seems like her they're just following her around it's day to day now I have a very important question for you okay a lot of these documentaries we've mentioned like RBG Julia and stuff there's a very important aspect of these documentaries and that is the romantic side of their lives <laughs> their, their relationships that they end up in and a lot of these there's like grand love stories that like we've spoken about in like previous episodes like with Julia Mm -hmm. how does Judy's 
eventual romance, like with the man that she ends up with, compare to other documentary, <laughs> like real life romances? I don't, you? I don't want to compare anyone's relationship. <laughs> but who makes you feel the most? I mean, she had more of a tough time with everything. I felt really sad, but her eventual husband, who is her husband now, is sweet and like looking at pictures together and reminiscing, and their little inside jokes make me chuckle. So I like them, but it's like the last bits of the movie, so it's not like a long. Yeah, because like they're like yeah, and they've been together for like twenty years or whatever. Yeah. But like you get a lot more of like the she was having a tough time with this person or like mm-hmm. she moved to London or something and didn't be with this person and yeah. it was ugh. <laughs> so yeah. So it's just like the more recent stuff is kind of not skimmed over, but it's more condensed. Mm-hmm. I was just happy to see her happy at the yeah. end of the movie. I wanted to know how it ranked or compared to others. <laughs> I like that he seems like a chill dude and he's really supportive of her and he's like. Yeah, she's pretty cool. I think she's cool. We uh, champion a supportive king. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, that's how uh, those other dudes are in the other docs. Mm-hmm. Doing the bare minimum, and then it's, it comes off as like, wow. <laughs> uh, what a delight. If we cannot put a spotlight on mediocrity, <laughs> what, are we, what are we here for? Uh, yeah, but the whole doc itself, it really, it really made me emotional. <laughs> it was really getting me. It's one of the better documentaries that I've seen in a while. I don't know. It's just because of books and like how amazing they are and what they do for people and what they've done for my life and how important they are to me. And just seeing this woman, what she did for so many kids. And I loved how they also wove in the fan mail and the letters that she would get from kids and that whole aspect of her life where she was kind of like taking care of them a lot and so much so that her therapist was like, you cannot save all of these kids. You gotta take time for yourself. And hearing all their letters, it's very similar to Mr. Rogers, like the won't you be my neighbor kind of stuff. Well, he spoke at a graduation and then people got to talk to him afterwards and they were like saying how much what he said in the past meant for them. And it's like in the same vein and it's just, it always gets me. It's just so pure and wholesome and wonderful. And she was like so happy to do it. She's like a mother to all of these children. And then you also have like her kids being like Mr. Rogers' kids where they're like basically like my mom's like Jesus. Yeah. But then you also have them being kind of resentful of like her fame sometimes and they yeah. kind of get into that like her not being there something. Yeah. And, and you so feel you, bad for them. It's kind of bittersweet. Like it's, if you're looking at it from their point of view they're like great. <laughs> she was there for them. Yeah, yeah. And like great I'm in another book of hers. <laughs> yeah, but they seem mostly at peace with it now. Yeah, so. they seem better with it than Mr. Rogers' kids did honestly but I definitely definitely get it. Yeah. I would probably feel the same. She's left like such a mark on the world and I love that. She's done so much for people and her books, just hearing what they're about and some of the things in them. All my life I knew Margaret as like the period book. That's all that I knew. But then it's way more than that. And all of her books have so much stuff in it where I'm like, whoa, that is a lot. (laughs) Especially for the time. And they're just so groundbreaking. It's amazing. It is wild. You kind of mentioned that the period aspect of Margaret is like such a small aspect of that book. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of wild that that's what people only know it as. Yeah, so. just gets overblown. Mm-hmm. And then like banned for it, I'm pretty sure. And not that that was the only book that got banned of hers. I think like more. Jamie? Yeah, 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 yeah. And forever probably. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. Groundbreaking. Yeah, I love all that stuff, and I was getting really choked up throughout the movie. (laughs) I know this was our experience. Do you think you were extra emotional because you were primed after watching Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret? (laughs) And second part of the question, do you suggest, if people don't know the story, to watch the movie first or watch this documentary first? I mean, maybe I was a little bit primed, but 
I don't know. I think if I just would have watched the documentary, it probably still would have gotten me just from the other aspects. But I do think if you've never read the book, it's probably better if you watch the movie first because you get a lot of stuff in the doc, like them reading passages and kind so analyzing it. Yeah, so then you can go in fresh in the movie and then see her talk about it and what she was thinking while she was writing it and mm-hmm. how other people think about it. And yeah, I was glad we did it the way we did. I was curious. If yeah. You were like, nah, screw that. Yeah. Documentary first. I like how I think on that day whenever we watched Margaret I think you had mentioned that we could watch the doc after or whatever and I was like I don't know that's a lot in one day and then maybe we should split it up so I can have like more but then after we save this yeah we're, we're like so starved for like yeah. really good stuff that we're just like do we dare burn this right now yeah and then after the movie was done I was just like I'm gonna need to see this doc <laughs> So overall, how do you think the doc made you feel? It made me feel very emotional and in my feelings. What about you? Yeah, this definitely, I agree, is one of those documentaries that I kind of long for. Even though it may not be the most artistic, it's not like going to live with like a tribe that's like getting their land mm-hmm. land stolen and all these environmental issues. It's it's it is just kind of like a quote unquote like celebrity doc, like a bio doc, like a but, pop pop yeah. documentary, but there's different ways to do it and I think this one does it very well and it does a good job of showing her importance beyond just she did this or she did like she it's just like she made people she inspired people to do this or feel like this and just it put in perspective her legacy and like her effect on culture or not just pop culture but just like as a society just how she's like impacted different people outside of like the entertainment world and stuff so it did make me feel emotional I think it's impressive how many books she like they weren't all bangers but like she put out so many books that spoke to different audiences and it's just very impressive that and she seems to be like a good person from what we can tell yeah (laughs) so I think it hit those emotions that I wanted to hit and I'm glad that it did I I know we still haven't watched like the uh, Michael J. Fox documentary from this year which I'm very excited about hopefully it'll kind of hit some similar notes uh, but yeah I love a good documentary that hits me in the feels and this one definitely did Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that they went into with Judy's past and going over things just how she was as a person and what she was thinking at the time and a lot of things that she was saying I found very relatable so that's also like a big part of me getting emotional because she just didn't have a voice for so long and then she had a voice and whenever she's just like trying out things like making up these stories for her kids and doing like what she said her imitation of bad imitation of Dr. Seuss and then she just moved to writing novels and she loved reading and then she just writes these and she has like this voice and something to say and she really like comes into her own so it just makes me really emotional because it's it's really moving to see because it's it's like what I want to see in myself yeah how do you think you would have I guess responded to this her story if you had seen this when you were younger because like I know a lot of this like the early part of her even like her first few books people kind of dismissed her mm-hmm. and it's just like oh judy writes her little books and stuff like i kind of like oh yeah she does her little projects and stuff and then it kind of like yeah. built and built and built like how do you think you would have kind of responded to this if you would have seen this been able to see this story whenever you were younger i wish that i could have seen this whenever i was younger i wish that there were docs like this whenever i was younger i think it would have helped me a lot it probably would have inspired me and given me more confidence and made me feel a little bit more secure within myself because she's like me and she's doing this. It's okay that I'm this way. I don't have to be like some great social butterfly who's like extroverted to the extreme. 
it's okay that I'm introverted. <laughs> Do you wish that you would have seen something like this? Uh, I don't think I would have had the, well, of course, as a guy, <laughs> I, I don't need extra, like, uh, motivation for, like, you can do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that's what society gives me. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I think I would have enjoyed this as when I was younger. I don't think I don't think it would have given me any extra motivation to feel like I could conquer the world or anything. <laughs> but I think I would have enjoyed it because I just, I just like documentaries. It would have been nice to know about her prior to this and her legacy and stuff and like a lot of the legacies of people that we've seen documentaries on, at least they're being made now, but it would have been nice to have a little bit more of that inspiration in totality like earlier. Yeah, but they weren't really paying attention to women <laughs> as much then. Judy Bloom gives me strong teacher vibes. But like, like a cool teacher. Yeah, not a regular teacher, a cool teacher. It. Or like a really cool librarian. So I really love like that. She's like the type of teacher that she's like, all right, I know some of you, you're going to have sex. It's just, <laughs> but like, yeah. if you're going to, this is what you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, take these condoms. Please wear them. <laughs> use them. I don't suggest drinking this weekend, but if you happen to like <laughs> swipe something from your parents' liquor cabinet, don't drive. <laughs> <laughs> just stay home. Sleep it off. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm glad we had this documentary. It is definitely one of the better ones I've seen this year. I don't think it'll like win any awards for like what it was trying to do. It should. Yeah. <laughs> but you got to be like super like make 10 million dollars and be about Mr. Rogers to like have like, a documentary <laughs> breakthrough like this. This and RBG, but nothing else. It's just more so just for the feels. Mm-hmm. It's not important with an eye. Oh, good for you. And how was it? With all that being said, I gotta know, what's that rating system? I'm gonna say super fudges. (laughs) (laughs) How many super fudges are you gonna make? Um, This movie definitely deserves five out of five super fudges for me. Wow. So we're fudged up. Oh, fudge. What about you? Um, I guess I would say I struggle with this because I guess it should be a five out of five, but I'm like, is it is it perfect? Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'll give it a five out of five. <laughs> that works for me. Wow. Super fudges. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Judy. If you're listening to this, you're queen. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I doubt it. True queen. If you want to w- learn about this queen yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it is currently streaming exclusively on Prime Video. Go ahead, have a little cry. That was wicked, man. His whole life is making this one film. You, you have two hours tomorrow from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and be an extra in a film. You get your name on the credits, man, as a producer. And of course, there'll be a whole crowd of people here, so we got to make like a line where people can't go, have a hell of a lot of assistant directors saying, hey, hey, could you step back like five feet? 
American Movie debuted at the 1999 Sundance Film Festival, where it won the Grand Jury Prize for Documentary. It is directed by Chris Smith, and it follows the hilarious and intense story of one man's obsession to make movies. Menominee Falls, Wisconsin is a long way from Hollywood, but Mark Borkhardt has a dream. Armed with a driving ambition and nothing to lose, the fast-talking Borkhardt enlists friends, local thespians, and unwilling family members to help him finish his no-budget horror film. Coven. The camera doesn't flinch as it captures every emotional crisis and financial pitfall in his two-year odyssey. What emerges is a bizarre yet surprisingly heartfelt documentary portrait of a true American character. So yeah, this was a movie that I uh, I was excited to check out. I finally picked up the Blu-ray that they recently released. I think it was last year. I was very excited that I was finally going to get to catch this movie because I had always heard about it as like one of the like mythic documentaries that people praise like hoop dreams and like stuff like that. It's like it's one of the the big ones American movie so I didn't really know what it was about I always just saw the poster of like the two schlubby looking dudes just like in front of like a blue background and I saw it was interesting because I saw this poster like hanging in the room of the uh Alison Brie character in the movie somebody I used to know that we watched earlier this year Mm because she was a documentarian so it's like this is one of her inspirations and stuff so it's kind of like a fun like reminder like oh yeah I need to watch this movie I especially was excited to watch it with you because I figured it would be one of those documentaries that you seem to really gravitate towards where there's really colorful characters we've talked about a few of those on here before I was hoping that it would give us good like ridiculous moments and I guess we'll see if that lived up to the hype for you but uh, what's kind of your relationship with this movie I saw it on a bunch of lists for whenever I was looking around for documentaries to watch that are similar to the ones that I like like Hands on a Hard Body and Finders Keepers. And I wanted more of that. I always want more of those documentaries. So a lot of people recommended this movie. So I had been searching around for it for a few years, just on streaming to see if it would pop up, but it never really did. So it was on my list to watch. So whenever you showed me, I was like, oh yeah, it's this movie. So I knew that it was going to be full of quirky people in kind of middle America, small town weirdness. Just like the different people and culture almost from where they're they're Minnesota is that right uh Wisconsin Wisconsin yeah yeah I I liked it a lot it made me laugh and it was good and I like the people that it follows I like that it's like day in the life kind of thing it's just following him around doing his thing and yeah he talks to the camera and a few of the other people around him do but it's not like talking heads it's just following around and did you like that aspect of it yeah I think it was fun because if you would have tried to just capture all of his kind of delusions (laughs) in a like a normal interview context I don't think it would have completely got it but I think following him around and just trying to (laughs) figure out how to make this movie just seeing him in in real time figure stuff out or like not figure stuff out but just see see what the problem is and try to figure out how to work through it but never quite getting there there are just certain moments that you see him trying so hard to be successful but Mm -hmm. never quite making it yeah it's just great and then but then you also kind of see there are certain people in this world like the amount of just like unearned confidence they have in themselves <laughs> is pretty wild and Mark is definitely one of these characters and seeing him talk to his family especially his uncle Bill who is sadly had passed away by the time the movie had come out it's kind of the movie's dedicated to him but just like this older guy who does not give a fuck and like <laughs> has his like young grandson pitching him this movie that he plainly admits is just like that 
does not sound good. Yeah. I don't want to do this. And he's like trying to basically like coax his grandfather <laughs> to give him giving him money to or I guess his uncle, like his uncle into Yeah, him. Uncle Bill. Yeah. So coaxing him into giving him money to make this movie that is definitely never going to like <laughs> recoup its costs. It's pretty yeah like, great. It's like a whole example of the Dunning Kruger effect. Have you ever heard of that? Mm-mm. Where it's like you have pretty much unearned competence. You just automatically think that you're good at something, and you're just like, yeah, it's fine. I can do this, and then it, you're just awful. Yeah, at it. It's a big thing, mostly common with men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, the the whole movie is kind of uh, exercise in that, I guess. But I don't know, his is kind of charming, just the way that he is really excited about making movies. He's seen so many, and he's just like, I have these ideas. I think I can make this work. He Mm -hmm. just doesn't quite get there. Like, he makes something, but you just, you know that it's never... going to quite hit and but then whenever you see the production process you can kind of see where all the pitfalls are it keeps flashing in my mind whenever the dude this poor actor yeah yeah, he has to like (laughs) perform this stunt where his head's supposed to go through this door and they're like okay we're gonna like score this door or this uh, door so like whenever he goes through it'll break and then just like take after take the the door does not break yeah because he didn't do it enough yeah and then he's like, come on, you just do this. And then he like starts punching it. And he's like, whoa, this is, this is good. Yeah. I think he even bloodies his knuckles punching it, doesn't he? Yeah. After this guy's ran his head into it like five or six yeah. times. <laughs> but it was like simple things where it's just like safety on the set. He's just like, this is good. Just do this. Yeah, it's fine. He's working with a shoestring budget, to be yeah. fair. It seems like he's, like, uh, working with a little bit of a shoestring intellect. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah. It's great. But then I also love that his best friend, Mike, <laughs> who's just around, he just wants to have a good time. Yeah, He a just good wants time. to party. <laughs> and just the little bits you you learn about Mike throughout, he, like, you think he's just, his mannerisms are pretty fantastic. He talks in like, yeah. kind of like a low, monotone voice. <laughs> but then sometimes you'll just get him in, like, kind of like an interview scenario where... He just starts telling something about his life, about him, like, being locked up in jail or something. (laughs) Where he's talking about, like, going on a bender with drugs and stuff. He's like, a lot of acid uh, experiences, a lot of acid trips. Yeah, he's like, I haven't done it since this time where this crazy thing happened. (laughs) I love his little smirk on his face sometimes where he's talking in his little monotone. Yeah, yeah, I guess it'd be cool just to, like, go get some beers and just hang out. Just like light some stuff on fire. <laughs> yeah. A lot of this it has the same vibes as like Welcome to Flatch. Did you get that? Oh yeah. Did you feel that? Yeah, the the small town energy. Yeah, just like the people whenever they're talking to the camera, mm-hmm. just like him where he's just like, Yeah, I guess that would be cool. Where Mark would be getting frustrated on the set and he would start like yelling at people and then Mike would just sort of like look to camera, have like <laughs> looks to camera and sort of have that same smirk like <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> He's a very supportive friend. Yeah. Like, given- <laughs> given the circumstances and what he has to put up with. Mm-hmm. And he's a really cool dude just because he's just, he's supportive of his friend. Yeah. I don't think he like completely thinks that it's going to work out, but he's just like, 
yeah, I'll do this. This is pretty cool. And he kind of like lights up a little bit extra whenever he has to like wear that robe that one time. <laughs> no, oh no, it's whenever they're recording the screams. Yeah, yeah. Like really let loose this scream. And that's the first time you really hear him go like, ah! like he like lets out this blood curling scream. And then you just hear Mark just be like, whoa, man. Yeah. <laughs> He's like so impressed by his friend. It's great. That's like probably the best scream that he recorded that day. And he was like, that was really good. <laughs> and then Mike was like, thanks. <laughs> He goes right back to his, like, little, like, small voice. Yeah, but he, he had, like, that, well, as big as a smile he could manage on his face and his eyes were lit up. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, he, he is really just along for the ride. But you gotta love having a friend like that. Yeah, he seems really sweet and endearing. He balances the crazy, like, because <laughs> Mark's really popping off a lot of times. And yeah. Mike's just over here just being like, yeah, it's, like, bringing the energy more to, like, a even yeah. tone, which is necessary here. Because if he was just always going off without anyone to kind of mm-hmm. balance him out it would have just been like oh this guy's an asshole you know he does care about his friend and stuff but he's also just delusional and has yeah. a vision he's really intense yeah speaking of mark getting frustrated we got it i don't want to spoil it too much but like mm-hmm. the scene whenever he's trying to record uncle bill's dialogue just thinking about that <laughs> that was so frustrating uh just the amount of takes that they had to make this old man go through <laughs> and just having uncle bill get more and more frustrated over like not being able to remember these lines it's just one of those things where you as an audience you know a solution to this yeah and you can kind of be like it okay this doesn't have to be this perfect or you can do it this way but he's just not thinking of this yeah while we were watching i was just like this is just audio right this isn't picture and audio and then just like why isn't he just reading it what did you think about uncle bill he's an interesting character i know he's a human being and Mm -hmm. like i said he had he passed away by the time the movie had opened but he's an interesting character because on one hand he's kind of like a surly man who's understandably wanting to hold on to his money and not waste his life savings on his doofus nephew who's Mm -hmm. trying to make this movie but he also has a little bit of sweetness to him he does like eventually try to support he's trying to be reasonable but he is just kind of like a surly old man and I do like that he can be kind of like paid off by like having like a nudie mag and some like liquor (laughs) brought to him and he's like, all right, that's cool. That's fine. Yeah. And just like the bribes that are try- trying to get Uncle Bill in a good mood to like open up his checkbook is, it makes sense. For, I'm not going to like begrudge this 80 year old man for yeah. enjoying these like little vices and like just being like, man, he's not such an asshole that he like, oh, forget this guy. He He's reasonable in his suspicion that he'll ever get his money back. Yeah, wariness. Yeah. Did you like him as a, as a focus? He was just sort of, I don't know, weird in that, yeah, he was really crotchety, like old man yells at Cloud thing, but he was giving him money to do the movie, but then he seemed really, really irritated by it, that he had to do it, Mm -hmm. and he seemed like he was kind of regretting doing it, but then something would happen, like Mark would say something, and he would light up a little bit and get happier. Mm -hmm. It was just weird because he just seemed so conflicting all of the time. I would probably be a little bit irritated, too, if I always had, like, this person coming around, bugging me, pestering me, because I'm sure there's a lot of times we didn't see on camera where he's just because mm-hmm. they even talk about this in the movie how he's like I'm very persuasive I can get like, pretty much anyone to do anything mm-hmm. for me and stuff and there are developments in this movie like, <laughs> regarding like his love life and stuff like people he ends up with and stuff that he puts his family through mm-hmm. but he does get people to do stuff for him for some reason yeah. and it's 
it's the most wild thing. He has a certain charisma. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's just just kind of overwhelming presence, and you just kind of like, okay, okay, fine, here. Like, yeah, yeah. I it's definitely... not a good kind where you want to do it. You just kind of like give into it. Yeah, I definitely understand that because I I don't like being around those people where it's just like I have to do this or else you will not stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just a lot of their conversations were awkward on camera whenever it was just Mark and Uncle Bill. Whenever he would go and, like, take care of him and, like, bring him food or whatever, it seemed more so, like, sometimes it seemed like he genuinely wanted to, but then sometimes it seemed like he was like, I guess I need to do this because he's giving me money and I want him to keep giving me money and whatever. And so, like, hey, yeah, I'll spend time with you. I'll hang out with you. And you can talk to me about stuff or we can have Thanksgiving. And It's a little bit of both, I feel, because there were times where... (laughs) Like, Mark would just be not around Uncle Bill, and he's just like, yeah, man, he can be a lot sometimes, but he's a cool motherfucker, man. Yeah. <laughs> just, he thinks he's rad, but he's also, you don't always want to just be taking care of mm-hmm. certain people all the time, and just because it can just be, like, a little bit exhausting to yeah think outside of yourself sometimes, but I think there were moments where he was like, Uncle Bill's awesome, and it's just <laughs> other time, like, Uncle Bill, come on! <laughs> like, yeah. just... I think it's just because he's really awkward as a person. He's He's very awkward socially, and and I think whenever he was genuinely wanting to like hang out with Uncle Bill and stuff, I think he would probably go over there with higher expectations. And he, he was just like, hey, so what's up? And then Uncle Bill is like all cantankerous or whatever. And then it just kind of takes the wind out of his sails. And then the rest of the, the scenes together or whatever is super awkward. Yeah. I just like whenever you would try to get Uncle Bill on his side, like, all right, this is how we're going to make money. This is the new distribution model. I'm going to sell this for this amount of <laughs> yeah. money. And we're going to have this premiere and we're going to get you out there. We're going to get you surrounded by all these women and stuff. <laughs> yeah. You like that? You like that, man? And Uncle Bill's like, yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just kind of like promising all these things that you know. He sees <laughs> he sees it a formula in his head, like this is how to be successful. But then you know, like realistically, all these things aren't going to fall into place for you. <laughs> and it's just not going to work. Yeah. But just seeing how he did rope in so many people into this, like the community theater people and stuff that mm-hmm. he would rope in and just getting some of the interviews with some of the crew members you're like yeah i've been i've been working on shooting this for a year and stuff and like we hadn't talked in a few months but now i'm back and like <laughs> and just certain people's like yeah you have me until this time and then i gotta go to like my kid's birthday party and then mark's like come on <laughs> we gotta get this shot he's like i gotta go man i gotta go <laughs> It genuinely does feel like a kind of like a ragtag effort and stuff. And mm-hmm. like, it feels doomed to fail. <laughs> it's just so interesting. Like, even from like the very opening moments where he's just like, okay, I'm going to make this feature film. It's going to be great. And then they're like, oh, um, you actually really don't have the money to do this and stuff. He's like, all right, I'm going to finish this short. I've been working on <laughs> like, just like, just kind of like pivoting and stuff. Yeah. Because he knows that I've been actually working on Coven for like, which I love that he calls it Coven. Yeah, I was just about to mention that just all throughout. I was just like, why is he, that's Coven, right? Like, yeah. why is he pronouncing it that way? He's like, no, man, it's Coven. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. Even in the movie, it's yeah. just like, no, that's, it would have to have the two dots above it. And he's like, oh yeah, the, whatever it's called. And he yeah named it and he's like yeah (laughs) I just like that he knew what it was like oh you mean the thing and he's like yeah then it would be COVID (laughs) 
It's kind of hard to, like, really describe <laughs> this. I know we keep referencing little scenes that make sense to us, but I'm sure other people yeah. are probably just like, what are you talking about? But it's the type of movie, it's kind of like if The Office was real. Yeah. Because that's just kind of how it feels like. It, if you like that kind of humor where you're just kind of like, Yeah, what? it's it's like Parks and Rec vibes in The Office and Welcome to Flatch. Yeah, you might think there's no way people like, would act like this, but these are real people and they're just doing their thing. And just, if you like that, definitely check this out because it just delivers on that kind of like absurd it's just great yeah I don't know I like the feel of it and how it looks and everything and I think it's really good for this time of year if, uh, you, if you were to watch season. it yeah, yeah. I think it w- works really well I would actually like to see the movie completed that Open. he made yeah just because now I'm betting it has like a cult following because this movie does the doc yeah. so I bet like a lot of people watch it like the room how they like that so I would love to see that movie <laughs> hopefully there's a way to yeah I guess we'll have to check on that after this this movie it's not like a i'm not going to spoil like his trajectory or anything but just it has a very interesting but like satisfying art i like that they were able to like kind of construct this movie into such like a cohesive like satisfying narrative Mm -hmm. considering they are working with people who are kind of inept i agree coven would be a very interesting supplement to this i'm sad that it's not on the blu-ray i i do want to hype the blu-ray though because there's an audio commentary track (laughs) with the directors and uh, both like Mike and Mark are on there as well and they give like even more background information on certain things and stuff and they are still in rare form and I <laughs> highly recommend if you if you really like the movie get the blu-ray so you can check out the commentary because it's a really good addition to like, if it gives you more of what you want from this I'll have to watch it again with the commentary <laughs> I do enjoy how Mark himself he really seems to be super into the process of filmmaking there's the point in the documentary where he is watching the Oscars and so he like keeps up with that and he keeps up with filmmakers and I think that's really fun that he does that I don't know I find it kind of endearing that's the exact word I was just thinking of if he didn't show off that kind of vulnerability Mm -hmm. I think this would be a very different documentary like it wouldn't be as fun to watch I like whenever people especially in the circumstance where they really are into art Mm -hmm. and it's important to them he really likes movies and Mm -hmm. The process of making movies and it's enjoyable to watch in that way. I, I know this is we're doing October right now. Do you think that this format would be able to translate into a narrative well or do you think that it is the type of movie where documentary is like the best like if this was a narrative story do you think it would be as effective for you this like the same story the exact same story like if this was like a scripted movie do you think you would find this as amusing or do you think the fact that it's a documentary capturing these real life people that is like what gives it its power I think the latter. I think if if it were scripted, it would probably be funny, but maybe not have as much heart to it. And I guess it would be more so like Welcome to Flatch and Parks and Rec, where there are moments of heart, but it's more kind of like, this is silly. Yeah, I know documentaries have gotten a lot more popular over the last decade and stuff, like except we're in the documentary boom. But a lot of people, it seemed to used to be more of like a esoteric thing of just people like, oh, you like documentaries and stuff. Yeah. But I think there's a real power to documentaries that I think a lot of people didn't really realize. Or it seems like they're getting on board a little bit more now because it's not as like nerdy to, mm-hmm. to or highfalutin to watch documentaries. So I just feel like musing on the nature of documentary as an like an art form and stuff. It just, <laughs> I agree. I think there's something to this story that I think would be lost in translation if you tried to like adapt this as a movie or something 
yeah. I think it's just knowing that these are real people out there and stuff, it feels more visceral and real. Yeah, I don't know if you can capture it the same way. How do you like them, Max? <laughs> what is your rating system? In honor of Mike, I'm gonna have to rank this out of tall boys. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing back a couple of tall boys. Nice. Yeah, I think I would throw back, I'll go with four and a half. I think it's a really fantastic documentary. I don't want to quite say it's perfect, but I think it's like really good and it really made me laugh. And it didn't really let me down either. So it's a solid four and a half tall boys. What about mm. you? I was thinking about four and a half, but I don't know if I even care that it's not perfect or whatever. So I think I'm going to chug five tall boys out of five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting turned. Yeah, we might have to peel Jessica off the floor before the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. If you are interested in checking out this movie, as I mentioned, it is now on Blu-ray. And according to my sources, i.e. the internet, so take this with a grain of salt, it's apparently on Tubi. So maybe you can watch this with ads. That makes sense. But uh, either way, definitely check it out if it sounds appealing at all to you, because that's a lot of fun. So what are our themes that we deal with in Hellas? We deal with family violence. <laughs> I want to die. We deal with suicide. <laughs> we deal with abortion. We deal with drugs, we deal with alcohol, drunkenness. Welcome. Your journey has finally brought you to the place of eternal agony. Here you will be subjected to constant torture and everlasting pain. Come, let us meet those who have swallowed the poison of my life. Hey there, little trigger warning up top for this section. There's brief discussion of suicide, self-harm, rape, and school shootings. So if that's something you don't want to hear, feel free to skip this and we'll catch you on the next one. Hell House was released in 2002 and directed by George Ratliff. Filmmaker George Ratliff explores the bizarre phenomenon of Halloween hell houses or evangelical fright fests that use grisly skits to demonstrate the consequences of homosexuality, abortion, drug use, and other condemned behaviors. This documentary chronicles a full performance season at the original Hell House in Dallas, which boasts an annual audience of more than 10,000 people and investigates whether its organizers go too far in their attempts to save souls. So, my, my girl's smiling over here. <laughs> I have been searching for this documentary for quite a while. I'd say at least like five years. And every time I tried to see if it was streaming anywhere, it's never available. But then, for some reason, I never had the right idea to check YouTube. <laughs> but this year, I was like, you know what? I'm going to check. And there it was, lo and behold, waiting for me on YouTube. Like a gift from... from <laughs> One of these... From the Halloween gods. Crazy-ass churches. <laughs> Uh, so we were able to watch it and I was pretty excited about it. And my background growing up, these hell houses, they were definitely around here and I got taken to one of them <laughs> whenever I was a kid. My mom took us and I think, yeah, both my brothers were there and I feel like it was at my grandmother's church, but I don't know if that's right. But I was really young. I was probably like six or seven and we went through and it 
definitely scared me and scarred me for a while. And it was just weird seeing this documentary with the looks of each room. It brought back so many memories because that's how it looks. Like you go to these different rooms, there's a scene, there's a skit, and then you go to the next room and like garbage bag tarps on walls and stuff. And like the same kind of costumes and like the same setup because even in the documentary, there is a room with the dude being like, this is the last room. I'm not gonna try to scare you. There's no more deaths and stuff. I just want to know if you were to die, where would you go? Went through a room like that. They're all the same. So it's just kind of wild. So I wanted to watch it because of, <laughs> because of, trauma. <laughs> yeah, because of my history with it. But then also Halloween, it's like their haunted houses and it makes me laugh and it entertains me. So there's that. But also I wanted to say that if you're interested in watching this documentary or you're interested in the subject at all, you should definitely check out a podcast that I like a lot called American Hysteria. And she does three episodes on, they're called Chick Tracks. And it's about Jack Chick, who wrote like the religious tracks that people leave from like the 70s all throughout the 90s into the present day. He's dead, but I think they still get handed out and recycled. And it's like a lot of the same subject matter. It's wild. I'm sure these hell houses got their ideas from his tracks because they were essentially like comics that he would do. And it has like a lot of the same subject matter, the same scenarios. I would definitely listen to it as like a companion piece to this documentary because it's very interesting and it's actually kind of creepy. If you listen to it this time of year, it's good to listen to Mm -hmm. because it's like Christian horror. I definitely highly recommend that. This is a concept I've mostly seen actualized on movies and TV. Just as like, oh, there's this haunted house for religious people. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't particularly religious growing up, thank God. Um, (laughs) But I, thank God. (laughs) But I occasionally went to church, but we never were super invested beyond Mm -hmm. like maybe like a few months months like one or two years of my life but I was also interested in checking out this documentary just because it interests me as a concept I don't have any extra baggage but I could sense where things would go awry even though the documentary itself isn't judgmental it's not like demonizing the practices but it's also not being like they're doing a great job yeah I think it is more so what you personally probably bring to it Mm -hmm. is, is how you'll kind of interpret it so if you are a very religious person and you're like I hate this documentary I don't think think you really engaged with it because I think you would be like yeah they're doing the right thing I think it's important I don't think it's really a hit piece though it's not like going against it's it's just documenting the process it's just like the American movie they're just following them around yeah I didn't want anyone who would potentially be watching this to be like they're making fun of religion so we're not gonna I mean I think if they're gonna think that they're gonna think that already so you you never went through any of these hell houses no And if I did, I do not remember it. So no lingering trauma. Mm. There might've been like spooky stations at like a church gathering that maybe I attended with a friend, but I don't think there was anything like this. So you didn't know what they look like inside, like what they were doing or anything? Uh, From like movies and TV, but not from IRL (laughs) experience. Yeah. So you had seen stuff like this in movies and TV? Mm -hmm. Like I'm pretty sure I've talked about this little show called Young Sheldon. They have an episode that's kind of dealing like a little bit with this. 
they do they set up a hell house or do they go through it? Both. Okay. Because his mom works at the church. Oh. So one of the characters is involved with it, and mm-hmm. it's not like as intense as this, but it deals with stuff like teen pregnancy and mm-hmm. stuff, not like Columbine, not like school shootings or anything. But yeah, I've seen like kind of more light-hearted versions of this, not as like gross ni- nightmare fuel. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, just the process of putting together the hell house and them trying to think of scenarios of what to do and like how it gets really repetitive like a lot of it is just the same thing but vaguely different situations it's wild i think it's highly entertaining but it's just wild that this exists and i mean it's really unfortunate that this exists that these kinds of people do but it's just like so many situations where it's just kids dying <laughs> just like every, everything's just gonna end in them dying whether like they die by suicide or i mean most of it it seems like that was what it was except for like drunk driving or whatever aids oh yeah that's right that's right i forgot wow there's definitely like homophobia yeah yeah all kinds of the abortion stuff yeah where she was bleeding out yeah Yeah. so they had like (laughs) just like basically like a laundry list of like this is what we don't like let's create a scenario yeah just like so much judgment so judgy Mm, bunch of judgy bitches over there (laughs) yeah I don't know uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Tackless. Columbine had happened not too far from that. The movie they were doing it in 2000. Tasteless. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a tasteless. Just like tone deaf and tasteless and how they thought that that's a good idea to make a situation out of a school shooting. I can't even like connect the dots. Like, but this is how you're going to get to Jesus? Like, what the hell? I mean, they're doing it for the shock value. Yeah. Because they want to get publicity. But I guess in their minds, are just like if these kids in Columbine would have had Jesus they like wouldn't have had to worry because they're gonna go to Jesus or something I do remember um whenever I was a preteen I think and this was after Columbine of course but there was that thing where kind of like a legend or whatever of this girl in the school who I forgot what her name is but she was real she was like a real person but they kind of like twisted it and made it into this whole thing where the shooter came up to her and was just like do you believe in Jesus or like are you a Christian and do you believe in Jesus do you believe in God and she's like yes yes I am and yes I do and then he shoots her because she said that and it was like this whole thing where it's like would you do that would you turn away from God just to save yourself or would you be brave I think her name was like Amanda something it's like would you be brave like her she died because she was like a good Christian or whatever so like they even took that and like warped that whole situation all these kids have died and then they took that and they used it for like sermon fuel for a while because I remember being like weirded out and like creeped out by the whole situation because of course my child brain I'm thinking about it and I'm like I don't want to go to hell so I'd have to say yes but I couldn't but that's probably why it was on their minds and why they brought it into the hell house thing but it's just like the trauma of the nation who have been seeing this on the news and then they go into this hell house and it's a room with the school shooting and they're just like this is good this is good I'm just so <laughs> stuck on this scenario because I don't want to get into like religious dogma or whatever but just wouldn't Jesus understand that you were trying to like preserve yourself in Mm-mm. those last moments no why not no because the whole point is if you're a real Christian if you've asked Jesus into your heart and you've been saved the whole point is like the rest of your life is you're supposed to be witnessing like you're a witness and you have to be an example if someone was watching who's watching I don't know but the shooter whatever and they're just like they denied God they turned away from God just to save themselves? I don't think so. But, like, riddle me this. <laughs> what if you said it, but behind your back, your fingers was crossed? Um, God can see that. <laughs> 
I know. That's what I'm saying. He can see that you don't mean it, <laughs> and you're telling the person what they want to hear. Of what? Like that you're a Christian and you that, believe that, in Jesus? That you're, like, you're like, I don't believe in Jesus, but behind your back, <laughs> you're like, psych, I do believe in Jesus, but I don't want you to shoot me. But God sees that. that that's a, that's a slight it. against God. But you know, you know this already, how um, all these... Invi- I'm sorry, I haven't talked to Jesus lately to no, see no, no, what no. you would feel about you know all about the evangelical, like, southern, right-wing, Christian, whatever, how their whole thing is about suffering on earth, and then you'll be fine after. So they don't care. Jesus, if you're listening, um, <laughs> please write in and let me know if fingers crossing behind my back while denying you would work out. <laughs> <laughs> They would rather a child die Mm. than renounce their faith in front of a shooter. Like, the shooter wouldn't shoot them anyways, but whatever. Okay, back to your warped child brain, sorry. Just, I think that's probably what had them thinking about Columbine in general, because I do remember that being a thing. There was this one scenario that, like, really pissed me off. In the movie? Yeah. I mean, they all did, really. But the rave, the date rape stuff. Oh, yeah. And she gets raped, and then, like the demon that talks to them whatever they're just like do it i'll just say her name is like britney sorry britney's all, all the britney's like do it britney you let this happen you you're not worth it whatever and it made no sense to me they were always dragging down the girls and the dudes who raped her because it was they basically described like a gang rape they were fine the demons did not bother them they're free to go free to do whatever and continue raving but this girl they're like fucking kill yourself you dumb slut and i was like what the fuck so she's not supposed to kill herself and like rise move past this it just makes no sense like these dudes are just fine because it doesn't follow them it follows her yeah and they're just like anyways boop boop continue raving like i don't have to kill myself yes because in this scenario the dudes have already raped so they're too far gone no no it's not the, it's i know what the, i know i know what the reason is why they're like dragging this girl down it's just because like it's your responsibility keep your legs closed don't be a slut yeah Like, it's your responsibility. You're not supposed to tempt them, whatever. I know that. But I don't understand how it's supposed to, like, save people. How, like, that would be like, I need to ask Jesus into my heart. I don't get it. Like, there's so many situations in the movie where I'm just like, what? (laughs) But, I mean, you can understand why it's scarring. Yeah. And just looking out at all the people's, like, faces who are watching stuff. And just seeing some of them just kind of, like, doing some side eye. Like, what the? Yeah. And some of them being like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh, I can see the 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 trauma forming in real time yeah and just like children little children going through that like i was a kid i went through that and like after we went through it i remember crying and hanging on to my mom and i wonder if she felt bad it was just like oh maybe this was not the best decision was crazy there was like an ambulance outside of the church i don't remember if it was part of the skit but in my mind i was like someone got so freaked out that they like collapsed and died and they had to get someone like call them like an older person um jessica's mom if you're listening uh email us let us know if you remember causing your daughter trauma (laughs) and me crying i still remember the flashing lights everything Oh, man. But I, I remember, like, one of the last rooms, the one that really scared the farts right out of my butthole. <laughs> <laughs> 
was <laughs> was whatever. And it showed the scenario in the documentary as well. But it's like the gates of heaven, basically. And you have like I think they just had one person there, and they're talking to them basically like they have died and they're wanting to get into heaven. And I can't remember exactly everything what was said, but the person was like the angel was like, but you you never asked Jesus into your heart. I don't know you. I'm sorry. I don't know you. And then they're like, what? And then like these people came in who are dressed in like all red. And I think like the lights went down too. They came in and like grabbed the person and was dragging them off, dragging them to hell. And they were like screaming. And that's what like scarred my brain. It is I something I, I will- I you telling me about this. Yes, I told you. I still think about it at least once every couple of years. Trauma and evil meeting. So that's the kind of stuff that's in Hill House. <laughs> just some good, clean Christian fun for all. Yeah, people just suffering and being tortured. <laughs> so many screams. Did you have a favorite scenario? A favorite scenario? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hmm. A favorite skit? It's weird to say this is my favorite, but just seeing the audience reaction mm-hmm. to like some of like the school shooting stuff and everything and how like genuinely terrifying it is because like i'm pretty sure they like use blanks yeah i was wondering about that because they were it was like very loud and like very realistic for what mm-hmm. they were doing and stuff so like you hear reports of a lot of, a lot of like burgeoning trauma over the last couple of decades with like all the active shooter drills and stuff mm-hmm. so that's just kind of like that form of that early on but i guess maybe you, you know what you're walking into a little bit more but you just like well what if that happens at my school and so, so it's just mm-hmm. kind of like that kind of thing but just seeing all the people just kind of going like oh whoa <laughs> Because yeah. like, I don't think they thought it would have such good production value. And just yeah. see kind of the shock on their face. It's just, I feel bad for these people because knowing that they're going to have to like wrestle with this in their minds later. But probably my favorite scenario, I don't think they actually show it, but just like them preparing for this scenario mm. leads to probably one of my favorite <laughs> scenes in the movie. And that is whenever they are writing out the scripts mm-hmm. and a woman is really struggling with the title Magic <laughs> yeah, 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 that's funny. <laughs> Magic the Gathering. Yeah, so they play the Gathering. Magic the Gathering. Okay, yeah, so the kids, they're playing the Gathering. Magic the Gathering. <laughs> Just like someone trying to like... That's the name of the of the game? Magic? Magic? Magic the Gathering. Okay, so they're playing Magic. The Gathering. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just like... It's kind of like a who's on first type situation. Yeah. I really like this poor woman who can't <laughs> around this when she's writing this script and she's like I'm killing it and this guy is so frustrated yeah it probably lasts five minutes Speaking of crowd reactions, this wasn't a big one, but it was actually from someone who had worked in creating it, but the guy who was kind of working through his trauma of his wife who had left him for an online relationship. Yes, that was wild. <laughs> just him kind of being like, I will pour my pain into this skit. And this skit was just like really misogynistic. Like it looked like he was wanting to be that dude so badly. So this documentary has layers. Yeah, it, has it does. It is slightly about also the people who are putting this on mm-hmm. and kind of what they are going through in their lives and stuff and how sometimes they're like hypocritical mm-hmm. all just, the time yeah but like i said once again it's not like a hit piece against them but like just by just witnessing them and just just how they are yeah, you're just like oh <laughs> this isn't uh, like 
this isn't it, man. And like, that, so that's crazy. And then you also have, this isn't really crazy, but it's interesting kind of how they compartmentalize things. Yeah, the one dude that they follow around who you just said was like working out his trauma with his wife leaving him and yeah. stuff. Because it didn't show him writing scenes or whatever. So then I wasn't expecting anything, but then they go into that skit. He sneaks in because he's security kind of, but also like a demon because he's playing one of them. But just like he sneaks into the back and he watches it and the look on his face, he's just like, this is my magnum opus. <laughs> <laughs> The whole movie is just, it's very interesting, very entertaining, also also creepy in a lot of ways. And then also kind of, if you think about it even more, just thinking about like the state of our society now and like what people like this have done to the country and a lot of people, it's not great. So then there's like that sad aspect and that frustrating aspect of it. Yeah, like how do we get to a place where people just are afraid of this or fear this? Like just like, mm-hmm. you may be wondering how we got here. <laughs> but, a record scratch. Yeah. But here, this is where you can see this irrational hatred of these people, mm-hmm. like, was ingrained in Hell House. Do not go in there. Woo! What is your rating system? You know, the character I related to most was that kid at the vending machine. <laughs> so I'm going to have to say, vending machine snackies. <laughs> and I would probably give this four vending machine snackies. What about yourself? What is your rating system? My rating system is satanic raves. Ooh. <laughs> and I will be attending four satanic raves out of five. Nice. I'll bring the snackies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, as Jessica mentioned several times, this is available on YouTube. Good luck finding it elsewhere. It's a little bit elusive, but just type in Hell House on YouTube, Hell House documentary, and I'm sure it'll pop right up. So. Yeah. Hell House 2001 in parentheses. Boom. Got it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Home Dance Film Festival. Join us again next time when we'll be discussing some fantastic movies, I'm sure. If you have any thoughts or opinions about the movies we discussed today or movie suggestions, you can write us at homedancepod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and tweet at us at Home Dance Pod. If you want to leave a rating, go ahead and do it. If you listened and you didn't care for this, then just don't. Give us a five-star rating and be like, hey, don't be away so long next time. Maybe it'll inspire us to uh, to come around a little bit more often. Knock on, Come knocking on your door. Oh, really fishing. <laughs> really fishing. If you want to hear me keep fishing for attention, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan Gonzalez too. I haven't posted on Instagram in about three years, but you can follow me. <laughs> you can also find me publishing reviews almost daily on geekvibesnation.com, as well as on YouTube, co-hosting The Video Attic with my colleague Michael Vaughn on the Geek Vibes Podcast YouTube channel. And you can follow me on Twitter for however long it remains at JustThenZero underscore. You can also find me contributing to geekvibesnation.com. Yes, since we're a Sundance-centric podcast, it might interest you to know that my lovely wife Jessica here just recently wrote about the Sundance movie Flora and Son. So go Woo. check out her words because we're probably not going to be talking about it because she already wrote all her words on the site. I didn't write all my words, but I don't know. You wrote every single <laughs> thought. I have more words. 
It's a great review, though. But we are proud to be a part of the Geek Vibes Nation podcasting network. Original music for the show is provided by Andrew Carroll, who can be found at musicbyandrewcarroll.com. Original artwork for the show is provided by Ben Belcher, who can be found on Instagram at the Art of Ben Belcher. I've been Dylan. And I've been Jessica. And to all the dreamers and the sinners out there, Happy Halloween! That's my purse! I don't know you! Bye! Bye. Gucci.